It is good to be back with you. Welcome to the What's Next Living Longer, Better, Smarter podcast. In this edition, finding your passion at any age. This episode is made possible by Vivid Picks and by Get Set Up. Learn something new every day and live your best life. We'll get started right after this. So I've been in the photo business for 37 years and I've seen a lot of things come go. But one thing has not changed and that this wonderful thing we call a photograph captures a moment in time so that we're able to reminisce and relive those memories tomorrow. And it's, and it's important for us to do that so we can share them with loved ones and we can share them with future generations. So please don't let your memories fade. They're important. Our topic, finding your passion at any age. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Mary Furlong. Hi, Mary. Hi, Fred. I'm real excited about today's session. Really? Uh, I suspect that art can play a pretty big role in helping us to live longer, better, and smarter. And with us are Susan Abbott-Martin. Hi, Susan. Hey, Fred. Hey, Mary. Also joining us is John Wider. Hi, John. Hey, Fred. Hi, Mary. Hi, Susan. Hi, hi John. And Leslie Lynn Lamb. Hi, Leslie. Hey, everyone. Hey, Leslie. And Leslie, you've been with us before as a graphic designer and a winner of the Get Set Up Accelerator program. So great to see you with us and congratulations on all your amazing work. Yes, thank you, Mary. Well, the first artist we are going to turn to is John Wider from Edgewater, Maryland. But John, I think you are a New Jersey native like me? That I am, Fred. Yeah, I've uh, the good old Garden State there for about 40 years or so before corporate transfers took me away. Most of the family's still there. You've lost your accent, you know? <laughs> <laughs> takes, takes some work. Northern New Jersey, <laughs> tri-state area. And John, you and I met at the National Press Club during one of our conferences when you were um, the CEO of ARP Services, and you did a phenomenal job at ARP and growing that business. But I found myself becoming a fan of your artwork in your encore career. So tell us how you went from uh, 601 E Street, I guess, in Washington to doing this amazing work with watercolor paintings. Well, thank you for the compliment. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've been a business guy, quote unquote, all my life. Um, and uh, at one point, um, it was a Christmas gift from my wife where she bought me some watercolor paint supplies. And, and I looked at her, you know, how I, some people are good gift receivers. I guess maybe I'm not so good at it. I looked at her and I said, what am I supposed to do with these? I'm a person who can't even draw a good stick person. And so she laughed. She said, well, maybe go take a class at uh, Maryland Hall. And, and so I did follow up and do that. Uh, it was for beginners, and um, as you might imagine, uh, I realized just how challenging it was. And uh, but I but there were things that surprised me. The way watercolor behaves on paper is really sort of has some surprises in it. And there there are um, happy accidents and uh, pleasant surprises. So it, it was it was intriguing to me. Uh, although I, that one class, I don't I'd say nothing survived in terms of uh, anything that I'd shown anyone. 
Um, but then some years later, when I was approaching retirement at ARP services, that's when I started thinking, well, you know, you go at ARP, you're attending so many of these workshops and, and seminars and so forth. And so this focus on retirement and living your best life became a, something that was constantly on my mind. And so I started to go and, and take classes again at Maryland Hall. And, um, and it progressed rather nicely to say the least. And I continued doing that, um, in spite of the fact I found it very challenging, I guess the thing that overrode it all was it was just incredibly interesting. When you're a person who's done something as I did with business for as long as I did, you become sort of an expert, you can do it in your sleep. And so here, all of a sudden, I was finding uh, that I was seeing everything really quite differently. It was almost as I had a different pair of eyes and certainly was thinking through the other side of my brain and so it was rejuvenating. It was a rebirth in a lot of ways. And so I couldn't get, I couldn't wait to get back and do it. And so I took classes for a continued period of time. And up, in fact, up, up until the pandemic, I entered a few shows and so forth. And then when the pandemic hit, six classmates of mine and I, we formed a salon just ourselves. And so every Monday we okay. get together for about two hours and we, we show what we've done the, during the week because we keep working at it because it's a process. And the more you work at it, the more you get closer to discovering your improving your skill set and, and ultimately maybe getting towards being having some talent. So it's, it's been it's been fun. That's, I guess, the best way <laughs> to describe it. John, uh, what have what are some of the favorite things that you like to paint? You've said the pleasure is in the journey and the continued growth. And while we're at it, we're gonna take a look at some of your work. Yes, this, this is a painting of Peggy's Cove in Nova Scotia. And it's, it's somewhat indicative of, of not only what I like to paint, but um, essentially how I get at it. I, I, I have a style that for watercolor is somewhat unique. It's more realistic. Uh, a lot of watercolors are soft and trans, uh, you have translucency to them. Mine are, as you can see here, a little uh, stronger. And um, I work from photographs. There are typically places that we've been. It could be, you know, in the United States, Europe, Cuba, uh, so on and so forth. I have friends who pass on photographs they'd like me to paint on a commission basis. This was one of those. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's a saying that somebody gave me about uh, painting from photographs because a lot of watercolor painters paint plein air. I do not. Uh, and that is that uh, photographs uh, are capture perfection, whereas paintings honor, honor them, honor the image, if you will. And we have another image to take a look at. This is, I don't know if that's a sunrise or a sunset, but it's beautiful. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, that is that is a sunrise and it's, it's um, I believe that is the Outer Banks. And I think it's uh, just called morning sunrise. This, is a, this was a commission as well. Um, friends uh, were up at the Martha's Vineyard. And it was a bit of a challenge in that the photograph they took was, was really pretty inadequate. Um, it was very dark, but they, they loved, the things that they loved to see in this and what they sent to me and asked me to do was uh, the, uh, the chair, the Adirondack chair, and then the, the sky lit up uh, as, in the sunrise. And so I had another friend who's a photographer actually run it through several filters so that I could actually see because everything else in between those two things was almost pitch black. 
uh, to bring out what was there that I couldn't see. And that was, and it was fun in the sense that it left it to my imagination as to how I wanted to depict it. And so in this one, I thought the thing that was rather interesting was the casting of the colors of, of the sunset into the, into the um, foreground, if you will. Just beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, so I like to do portraits. Um, quite, quite often I get them as, as uh, commissions. This, this, of course, is called um, Climbing the Hill. Um, Amanda Gorman and uh, her delivering her, her, I thought, wonderful poem uh, during the uh, inauguration. All right. So inspiring. I just I love the work and uh, I can't wait to see it up close in, in person. Um, so now it's great pleasure to introduce Susan and Susan and I were college roommates. We reconnected on our 50th reunion this um, two years ago. And I always loved Susan's style and talent. And she went on to a great career at a university. And she's going to tell us a little bit about her story uh, from being a professor and then her work and how her work has been rediscovered. Well, I'm going to start with, I didn't know I was going to do this. I'm going to start way back uh, 50 years ago at Holy Names College. I was a very lousy student, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I majored in art uh, and philosophy. And my parents asked uh, me what I would like for graduation. And I said a loom with, because I had been doing weaving at Holy Names. And basically that gift sent me uh, on my journey as an artist. Uh, I, I married young. Uh, went up to Davis and with this loom uh, created a community or found my way into a community of weavers. And then that I got bored, I think, or something. And um, I decided to go back to graduate school, but I really couldn't do that because my grades weren't stellar and I was still married. And anyway, long story short, I got into um, the California College of Arts and Crafts and studied there. And that really is the beginning of the, of the journey. Um, and, but I had to make a living. So, uh, you know, I, I have maintained a studio practice for the 40 years that, you know, between the, the loom and, and now 50 years, I guess. Um, but there was something in retirement, the quality of the time uh, that really changed the work. And ironically, when I moved into sculpture during graduate school, I sold my loom. And <laughs> two years ago, I bought another one and I've reintroduced weaving into my studio practice. I won't be showing uh, that work today, but uh, it really, it, it, retirement and, and time really has facilitated uh, an arc in my creative process, probably in my life as a, and my work as a reflection of that. But um, my work would be very different if I wasn't retired. <laughs> I really believe that. Susan, tell us when we had our reunion, we all went to the beach and Susan showed us some pictures of when you studied in Monet's garden. Mm -hmm. And we were all uh, so excited that you had that experience. 
Well, there's, there's, a, you know, there are what's called artist residencies and the visual artists, choreographers, writers, you know, any creative activity. It, uh, most of these residencies welcome an interdisciplinary um, guest. Uh, but I, and I uh, went to, was, this is an amazing opportunity. I went to Monet's garden for three months. I could, I lived and worked there and I had, there was a little farm that the foundation had bought across the road from the garden. And we lived there and worked there and we had 24 hour to the access to the, to the garden, which was, you know, it still resonates with me in a, in an amazing way. Oh, Susan, let's uh, show our viewing audience some of your wonderful work. So uh, when you apply to a residency, you're, they ask that you make a proposal about what you're going to do. And uh, so I got there and I started doing what I had proposed to do. And then it just wasn't quite right. And, you know, there's a kind of panic, you know, what am I going to do? And uh, the garden was closed to the public every Monday. Uh, so the gardeners could prune and, you know, take care of what needed to be taken care of. And late Monday, there would be these, this pile of uh, debris uh, that they had created in pruning and taking care of things. And I just, I looked at that and I thought, I'm gonna try to make a sculpture a day and um, to see if I can make one that the gardeners, the gardeners wouldn't recognize what it was, uh, which is a ridiculous, of course, cause they could, they knew every inch of the garden. But this is, uh, so what I did, they're small, uh, probably the biggest is five inches tall, three inches wide. I made a sculpture a day from the materials that the gardeners left and thread. And, and I could use thread and I could use a, a staple gun, you know, stapler to hold anything together. Um, so this is a rock that's, I, I'm going to guess, I'm not, a, I'm not really good at identifying plant material, but I think those are the leaves of, our, of uh, an iris. Also, I was raised in, I spent some time in Japan. My father was in the Air Force. And I think in this work, you see the sort of Japanese influence, sort of unintentional, but it happened anyway. The other thing I did while I was there is I had a Polaroid camera and, um, took a photograph of the garden, anything in the garden, in this case of poppies, and uh, and just covered the Polaroid with a material called oil stick. It's oil paint in a stick form, sort of like a, it's a very uh, soft crayon. So I covered it with white oil stick and then scratched back in it. Um, with the idea that it would become an, a sort of an homage to Monet, this impressionistic surface. Uh, and uh, I had hoped to do one of those a day, but I didn't, didn't get that done. 
So this, the other thing I learned in retirement is that I've always considered myself a sculpture, a sculptor, and, and that I made sculpture. But what I realized with, with uh, the opportunity to really do more work is that I, my work is very project-based. So it's, it's, uh, it's, can, it's and often dependent on what I see more than what I think. But this piece is, is from a body of work called uh, Handmaid's Week. And uh, I collected, for another, bo another body of work I did, I collected uh, embroideries that uh, were either friends were discarding, their, it could have been their mother, their grandmother's embroideries. Um, and I also went to flea markets and, and bought embroideries. And then I stretched, I stretched them on um, stretcher bars. So they became like paintings. And you know, by sort of uh, disrupting the utilitarian aspect of the tea towel or uh, the dresser scarf, I think I, and I, I think this happens, it, people look at them differently um, when they're on a wall and there's, you know, 40 of them. So there was a, there were, uh, I found at the Alameda free flea market, uh, seven tea towels with the days of the week embroidered on them. And I'm going to try to remember this, but Sunday was leisure. Uh, Monday was, uh, washing, uh, Tuesday was ironing, Wednesday was cleaning, Thursday was gardening, Friday was shopping, and Saturday was cooking. So it, I was just really seduced by this idea that in the 50s, um, especially my mother, who was, had been a nurse in World War II, was sort of you know, cast back into the, or into the home. And she never did this days of the week thing very well. I certainly didn't do it very well, but this is, this is, a, so I made, uh, so each day has a stretched tea towel, a collage made with vintage magazines from the fifties and sixties and seventies and a sculpture. So this is Sunday sculpture. Um, you know, picnic basket, dominoes, and, you know. So now we're back to, so, and just, this is just to clarify um, about the project based and so, and why I, as again, in retirement, I've learned, you know, I'm not material specific. I'm really not even idea specific. There's a, it's a, it's a combination of an idea and uh, materials that I see that facilitate a body of work. So this is another one of the sculptures that I made in Monet's garden. And you can see this, the staples there where I sort of created the, 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 the you know, folding the leaf over and um, stapling it created the pocket for the stone. And Susan, recently your work was picked up by a marketing group and it's on display at the Four Seasons in Scottsdale, is that correct? Yeah, I, uh, this was very, you know, <laughs> this, is, this is how 
exciting life is. In 1995, I made a work. It was, I called it Giverny Revisited. It was for a, a, a show uh, in the, at the Dallas Contemporary, which again, seldom, that stuff seldom happened to me, but, but it did. And it turns out that there was a woman on the board at the Dallas Contemporary whose husband was a CEO at Formica. So um, they, what the, the big group of artists were selected to be in the show and you, they sent you, Formica sent each artist a box of every sample of product that Formica made. And we could pick anything and how much we wanted it to make a work for this exhibition. So at the time, my work was made of, um, I, I was using a lot of wood and a lot of uh, uh, metal. And so I, I asked them to send me 12 inch squares. I, I work in squares, um, that's a pretty consistent format for me. And uh, I asked them to send me 12 inch squares of every metal and you know faux metal and faux wood product that they made. And I made a work uh, with that. That piece that was made in 1995, somebody at a, at a really, uh, at a consulting, art consulting business in Atlanta, I got an email about, gosh, a year, a year ago, almost right to the date. And it said, we have, a we have a client who likes this piece. And it was a photograph of the work that I did in 1995. Can you, uh, can you make something like it? That's what, it, I mean, out of the blue. And you know, 40 years ago, you, you know, when you start out, you, you think those things are gonna happen all the time, or especially if you're making this huge effort to get the work out, you think, you know, out of uh, you know fifty letters, maybe I'll get at least. Not, never did that happen to me. Never. <laughs> so here it is, and I, a friend of mine was staying at, here at the time, and she's she does uh, big com uh, glass commissions, and so and very knowledgeable. And I said to her, I read her this email. I said, "Is this a scam?" does this make any sense to you? And she goes, and she, it, she recognized it right away as a real thing. So anyway, you know, uh, what, that was October. And in January of 2022, we installed the work at, at the Four Seasons in, in Scottsdale. And it really, um, it really changed, it has changed. And then I've done, I've since done a second one for them. And it, what I really like about this it sort of and, and again I think came about because of retirement. It changed a, a focus of my work. I mean, I, was, I always will continue. I am doing, you know, a body of work that's very personal to me. And and but this this opportunity to work on it, really collaborate with a team of people um, to make a work that's going to sit in a public place for as long as they want it to be there is really different than making work that you might show in a gallery for a month. So I'm finding that my, my, my practice actually just saying this to you out loud is sort of is bifurcated. There's the private work that I do 
that's basically mine. It, I wouldn't be adverse to showing it, but I, but this this public work is really um, important to me because it keeps me engaged on in different ways with different people: the art consultant, the fabricator, et cetera, et cetera. So Susan and John, um, I'm curious whether you are doing this as a second career, encore career, or as a labor of love. And there's a wonderful book called Mastery, which George Leonard wrote and talks about kind of this third age of life and you know how it's a time of mastery. So maybe we'll start with Susan and we'll, then we'll go to John and then time for Leslie. So. Um, that's really interesting because if right now I would say, I hope that the, the, I, the ability to do commissions would become a second career. I would never have, I would never have framed it in that, in that way, but I think my ambition for that uh, part of my studio practice, I think it would be great if it, it turned into a second career. My studio, my private practice, what I'm calling my private practice, um, that's just a labor of love, really, you know, and, and I really psychologically need to do it. it, keeping my hands, what's that saying about idle hands, uh, it, it's very meditate, the work is very, very meditative, quiet, uh, and I have to do it, but I love this idea of the commission Thing becoming uh, a second career, Mary. And I think all of the Holy Names girls, we're all 74 now. We were so excited that this happened to you. And then you and I could connect because I love entrepreneurs. So John, how about you? Do you see this as a uh, labor of love or do you see it as an encore career? So it, it, for me, it definitely is. It's, it's a blend of what Susan said. I'd say primarily it's a labor of love. Um, retirement does give you the gift of time and you, with this, you know, I, I set up my, I've got a studio down in the basement and I go down there and I leave, everything's left out. I don't have to put anything away for anyone who does this or thinks about doing it. Don't set up and put things away. You have to walk, you'll walk by it five, six, seven times a day. You'll go down there at night before you go to bed and you see something and you get right back at it for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And it's just wonderful. So, I mean, and I, but I do, I do sell the stuff and I, it, it, the business side of me kind of gets in there a little bit, you know, okay, now what am I going to do with all these paintings? And so I set up, so I set up a website. Okay. Now, you know, I used to have people that did websites. Now I've got, okay, I'm going to do this. So I, I got a website, which was a lot of learning. And then, um, then how do you, how do you promote it? Okay. I got on Instagram and then you tie Instagram into Facebook and then, now, now it starts to get closer to a job. And so I push back. I, I don't, I definitely don't want this to be a job. So that's why the career thing sort of says, no, I am. I hope somebody's going to listen to this. Who's really skilled at marketing and promotion and social media and would like to partner with me because I would love to have turned that aspect over to somebody and let them run with it. Because there, there are so many ways that people utilize something that they've created, uh, you know, on, on gifts that turn into, you know, cups and play settings and shirts and a whole host of things beyond prints and, and that kind of thing. And, but all of that takes, um, 
time and it, it, all of that creates a job. And I, I like the, I like the going at it and painting and, and uh, when I paint, I, you know, they're mostly, they're mostly places I've been or people that I know. And if I don't know, I, and I'm doing a portrait, I, I find, find sources and or talk to people who know them. And I, when you, when you do that, you're, you're like, it's a very intimate activity. Mm-hmm. You, you, put yourself in, you, you have, you to, I talk to the painting. I talk to, I talk to, you know, I've got music going on, but I, I talk to the painting. I, I'm looking for that, the image of the person, the spirit of the person that I'm um, painting to come forward somehow and present itself. And, and there are so many revisions that you make until you get just that look in the eye, the little something extra, the shadow that that brings in a ruggedness if it's if it's a water or waterman or something along those lines that you're looking for and and that to me is you know the the love of it all i mean and with that you you know i've i've learned more about technology and social media and it's brought me into different social networks of people that that uh, do enjoy my paintings and they offer to comment they send painting ideas to me and you know you stay connected it's really it's been a blast but he loves the creating, I can tell. So. And Leslie, let's talk about your background and journey into graphic design. Yes. So thank you, Fred. Um, like John, I have a background in business. And so I have had great difficulty in thinking of myself as an artist. Um, I am not a traditional artist. Um, and I do have a funny story to share. I have always loved advertising art. Um, I think Susan was talking a bit about the vintage art. Um, I have always loved that. And my mother used to tell tales that when I was a little girl and the TV was on, I wouldn't watch the shows, but I always watched the commercials. Hmm. And then when we would go out, people thought I could read at a very young age, but it was just that I had watched enough commercials that I could repeat what was on the page. So um, I guess that's really where my love of art came in at an early age, although I didn't know it. Um, And also, of course, with accounting, you're painting pictures. It's just that most people don't appreciate or understand them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to think of myself as an artist is still something I'm going through. Um, But uh, I I do create on one primary platform, which is canva.com which is a a free design platform for non-designers. So um, it helped me greatly um, to learn what my art was going to be. So um, I am in awe of people like John and Susan that can create what I call true art. But what I create is I paint with pixels to create conversations. So uh, my business was started during COVID um, and it came out of me leading a um, conversational group. And this is one of the pieces I did for the conversational group um, for cooking. And my goal has always been to help people be able to take away a bit of what we've talked about. And so this was for national um, uh, hot tea month. And we were talking about tea tasting And um, so they got to take away an image and some of the 
important point from our discussion, as well as a tea tasting journal where they could then share with their friends and uh, do their own in-home tea tasting uh, because many people were still locked down. So the impetus behind my art is the conversation. It's all about creating conversations. And so um, one of the things that I've transitioned into is working with senior centers and senior housing. So one of my current projects is to do uh, table tent trivia is what we're calling it um, because it's very easy for them to print out it's like a threefold brochure and then they just make a little tent with it to put on the dining tables. And it just has little trivia points to create that conversation. Um, and so you can put a little vase down into it with uh, maybe some little uh, party picks in it, um, you know, with little fun things like photo booth, um, disguises and stuff, just anything to get that conversation going. So that's what, what my art is and that's where it came about was um, through doing my uh, volunteering with Get Set Up, and uh, I love it. And of course, Get Set Up was born during the COVID times. In some states like Hawaii, many people were out of jobs in tourism and the service sector, and they skilled up with um, Get Set Up tools, and Get Set Up was on a very fast clip to grow, but you found a whole new community inside Get Set Up, right? Yes, I did. And uh, that community was and is my lifeline today. Um, in fact, I am collaborating with some of my fellow um, winners of the Business Accelerator program um, because by creating conversations and doing it around trivia, I have to do a lot of research on the topic. And um, one of my fellow creators also does food. Um, she does whole food plant-based. And so I do some research and share it with her and then it just saves her time, which is really kind of what I'm all about too, is helping the senior centers, the senior housing, the activity directors save time so that they can focus on their residents um, and their attendees and not have to create, you know, the, the funny stuff that I do, so... Get set yeah. up's been doing some really terrific things. So really for each of you, what are your thoughts about the idea of taking up creating, painting, sculpture, maybe another form of art, and what it has meant to your to your lives, each of your lives, and perhaps what it can mean for others? I'll turn to you first, John. Well, it it has been just a blessing uh, in, in a word. Um, it's led to increased socialization, as I mentioned earlier. It's led me into areas of understanding technology in a, in a, in a real world way, meaning touching it and making changes and that kind of thing. Um, and it, it, as I mentioned at the very outset, you know, I, I see life quite differently and um, it's, it's just been fabulous, rejuvenating. Susan? I would agree with what John's saying. I can't imagine not doing it for, you know, for one. And again, this is the personal part of it. And then the, um, th there's a, the, the business side of it, which I've never been very good at, but it's really facilitated an engagement with the world, which is if I didn't do that, I would, I would, you know, be a permit basically. So there's, there's, uh, you know, the dialectic between the private and the public. 
I'm going to share a story though that just came to mind when John was talking. When I was when I was working at the Art Institute, uh, a professor, a teacher came in, a teacher, a huge guy, and really talented. But he loved and he loved working with first year students. But he was could be a bear. He could be a little judgmental of you know how come they don't know how to do this and they should know how to do that kind of stuff. And he came into my office after the summer break and he said, you know, I've been taking guitar lessons, you know, over the summer. And he goes, I forgot what it was like to learn how to do something you didn't know. And he said, it's going to that this experience of, of learning something I didn't know is going to profoundly change my teaching practice in relationship to these 18 year olds. And I think learning something, the thing about being an artist, you're always learning, in my opinion, in my experience. There's, there's, you know, if you, if you master one aspect of your practice, there's this real urge to, to learn more or do more, or it's a curiosity that uh, might be the word, but that's the value of it in my life. Just beautiful. Leslie? Well, um, my art is so entwined with my experience with Get Set Up. I would never have done this without um, being a part of Get Set Up. So I am eternally grateful to them. Um, but it has allowed me to express my creativity while helping other people, which is what I want to do. And also one of the biggest benefits I learned from Get Set Up was um, what I call pivot and pursue, um, as opposed to meander and make do, I think, which was what I was doing like when I first started with, with Get Set Up. I was really looking for purpose um, in my life. And um, just like everyone else has spoken about, I have gone down roads that did not lead where I thought they would go. And I could allow myself to be crushed by that but instead I've learned to pivot and pursue. And pursuing something is a very passionate thing as is art. So um, I am again, thankful for everyone that I have met along my journey, everyone I will meet um, because accountants are not times, <laughs> they're just not a lot of passion there, right? <laughs> we're, we're numbers people. And uh, so um, like Susan was talking, I have discovered a different side of myself, which has made me a more fully rounded person, which again, is just more dimensions, just like there is in art. What a wonderful discussion. Uh, thank you all for sharing your journey with us. You know, a lot of times we think, who am I if I'm not this person in a job? And I think this session really illuminated the many different ways you can go and pursue your creative talents and also the new communities that form around those talents. And so it's been very exciting. We really appreciate you all being with us this morning. Fred? Yeah, journeys from the corporate offices to academic hallways and classrooms to to art. Let's find out where our viewers can turn to for, for more information about your work. Uh, John, where can people go? Also, I've got a website, as I mentioned, uh, uh, www.watercolorbyjjw.com. On Instagram, just hashtag watercolorbyjjw. And on Facebook, by the same. 
Terrific. Susan? Uh, the website is susanabbottmartin.com. It just launched a couple of days ago. I just finally got that done. And on Instagram, Susan Abbott Martin. What great timing for us. Leslie? And I am at graceplacecreative.com. And unlike John or Susan, I am not anywhere else. <laughs> so it's the website or nothing, but there is a contact form on there. Well, terrific. Thank you all once again for being so generous with your time and we're so envious of your work. Mary, I like to think there's a little artist, at least in all of us. Well, um, yes. I mean, I think whether it's gardening or cooking or um, design, uh, that's what kind of gets me excited. Of course, um, my father had a paint company. He was an entrepreneur. So we were always in the process of creating something. And I think creativity is a really important element as part of your third age. Oh, I, I just came back from a trip to Vermont. I've got a long time love of photography. I'm gonna show a couple of pictures here. Okay. Not that I can compete, but so this was up at uh, Lake Champlain, uh, just a, a beautiful setting, a place called Grand Isle State Park in Vermont. The hard part here is first technically knowing how to use a camera, I suppose, and then getting up at uh, early in the morning when it's so cold and, and enjoying the, the scenery there. And of course, when you're up there, you've got to take a picture of the leaves and, and such. So it was just a beautiful setting. And that's my contribution to the art world, which uh, isn't nearly as as wonderful as what all of you are creating, I don't think. Beautiful. Uh, I, John, I see a new commission piece out of that church. With those <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been great fun. So thank you all for being with us. Thank well, you thank so you much. For us. Thank you. We want to thank our sponsors once again, Vivid Picks, Don't Let Your Memories Fade, and Get Set Up. Join over 4 million older adults learning something new every day and live your best life. Thank you for tuning in, and remember you can find all of our episodes, including Longevity Deal Talk, at maryfurlong.com slash podcasts.